You are listening to Strings Attached. I am Asaf Maoz. This episode that you are about to hear was recorded over a year ago when I was just toying with the idea of starting a new podcast in English. Now, a few thousand listeners later, I feel it's time to share with you this conversation. My guest today is Ori Kamm. Ori had a fascinating journey, leaving a coveted job in Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra and joining the Jerusalem Quartet, moving from a large orchestra to an intimate ensemble. Ori comes from a musical family. His mother Rachel is a violist and his sister Sharon is a virtuoso clarinet player. I think you would find some interesting insights in our chat. So don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify so others can discover it as well. I'm Ori Kam. I'm a viola player. I'm the violist of the Jerusalem String Quartet and a professor for viola in the Geneva University of Music. Um, I guess that's it. You come from a very musical family. Did it make you choose the viola by chance or on purpose? How did you come up to, to play the viola? I was born in the U.S. and my parents were studying there uh, as I was born there. And... Uh, they returned to Israel when I was about six months old. And uh, in the few years that it took my mother to find her way into Isra- the Israel Philharmonic as a violist, she was teaching a lot of uh, violin in our home. And I was a baby, so I was sitting on her lap. And um, she was a very active musician uh, in the orchestra, but also before There was always lots of chamber music in our house, and uh, it was always very social. So it would be a kind of um, chamber music evening where all the musicians would come and bring friends and food and family and kids, and everyone would we had a very big living room, and everyone would run around, and in the middle there'd be people playing chamber music, really kind of chamber music in its best form. Wonderful. Playing chamber music and playing together is, is a big, big part of why I chose to be a musician. It was a very big part of our family kind of experience. Um, and, and the joke in our family is that my mother is a violist and my sister is a clarinet player and I'm a viola player and my father loves music. So <laughs> he's, he's the one that's, he's not a musician actually. So, um, but he, a lot of the times he's, he definitely drove my mother and supported her to kind of uh, become a viola player and, uh, and kind of achieve and fulfill her, her ambitions. And it's really, he's a really big part of that, you know. It's, it's wonderful. And that's actually part of why I asked you to, to be a guest on this show is I would like to talk about the differences or the different experiences between a large ensemble, such as an orchestra, and a quartet. And maybe I'll take you, I don't know how many years back, to, to the day that you auditioned for the Berlin Philharmonic. Do you remember this day? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What was it like? Were you nervous? Um, there were actually two auditions. Uh, I took two auditions because I didn't win the first audition and then I won the second audition. You know, my, my story of trying to find an orchestra job is very long and, and arduous. I think I took 35 auditions in my life. So. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, the first Philharmonic audition 
was uh, very strange because I got standing ovations from the orchestra. Wow, bravo. And I didn't win the job. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, the reason... The reason is that my playing style and my, I think what I was projecting in my playing just didn't fit what, what that orchestra is looking for. And then I stayed in Berlin for another year. I, shortly after I got a job in the radio symphony and during the year, the first year I did there, then I won the job in the Philharmonic. And what I learned in the year between the first and second audition is that in an orchestra, it's important to show the members of the orchestra sitting in the hall and listening to the audition, that you're going to fit in. Um, the analogy I think that I was given then, it really stayed with me, is like an orchestra is, orchestra is like a school of fish swimming. You know, there's not like one leader that's turning and then everyone turns. There has to be a kind of group dynamic. And I think in orchestra auditions, for the candidates, it's very difficult to understand but after I was in an orchestra and sat in auditions, I realized how much the projection of the personality of the candidate is important in the sense that will, do I feel as an auditioner that the candidate is going to sw swim with me in, together without me having to teach them to do it. Um, so I think I think that that was a little bit my rough landing in Germany because uh, I was definitely good enough to join the orchestra, but um, and I think that looking back, I'm a much better musician and much better viola player for having gone through that difficult time. And you know, and I, and I was also not so young; I was twenty twenty seven. So, and I I have I done a lot of stuff already by then. I didn't I wasn't like a tabula rasa, you know. Getting into the Berlin Philharmonic, which is considered probably top three in the world or top five, I guess, does it bring a lot of pressure? Do do does one sit on stage and thinks, "Wow, I'm I'm here with the Berlin Philharmonic. I have to play the best, otherwise everybody would hear it, would know it." How does it work? Uh, yes, I was under tremendous amount of pressure, and not good pressure. I'm glad I'm not in that orchestra anymore because. Uh, I don't think it was. I was suited for it, and it was not suited for me. Um, I played concertos, and I played with the string quartet, and I and I didn't experience this level of anxiety as I did playing in that orchestra. I think part of what makes that orchestra great is this common stress. You know, one of the things that happens to orchestras is that players over time kind of slowly go to sleep. It's kind of unusual to me to person sitting in an orchestra after 40 years that still, you know, kind of brings uh, an, an intensity to the playing, uh, you know, that's not actually, it's there, it happens, but it's not really usual. And in the Berlin Philharmonic, you see that in every single player. And uh, But the flip side of that is that, you know, when a player starts to sit a little bit too far back in the chair or starts to use a little bit less bow, the peer pressure and the, the kind of, I would say, nasty comments that and leers and, and, and jeers that they would receive from their colleagues is... Uh, and there's many people who are really just brought down, like anxiety, people who... There's people who had to leave the orchestra because of uh, mental issues and, you know. So, yeah, and I think that's also what makes that orchestra great, you know. 
because you really every concert that you, that you hear the orchestra um you feel like every last player is giving 105% and and I think that's very rare uh and that's every single concert I don't think I've ever participated or listened to an or a Berlin Philharmonic concert where that wasn't the case I that's regardless of of whether the conductor is great beloved hated young <laughs> old fantastic you know I remember very well my attending my first concert of the Berlin Philharmonic I snuck in I didn't have a ticket and I was standing at the back you know the the standing places at the back of the hall and it was uh, a Tchaikovsky symphony and I remember listening to them and I was in shock I've never heard such sound in my life the hall is fantastic the orchestra is fantastic and I'm thinking to myself this is the reason why I moved to Berlin I need to be on the stage with these guys And this is exactly what you're, you're telling, is like the feeling of you are listening to a live CD performance, a live recording is happening in front of you. I found it very interesting, for example, when you take the Berlin Philharmonic and you put it in a different hall or in front of a different audience, that it's, it's a different result. I mean, not less good, but very different. And I think that the, the building, the fact that it, looks the way it does and it's it is where it is it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and then it's just rises there's a feeling when you go to a concert there even if you're dressed in flip-flops and shorts that you're coming to the high temple somehow it's before even the first note is played there is already a certain energy in the hall that that enables enables this you know and the audience and the way the audience treats the concert the hall the You know, there is just something special there. And when, when you take, for example, the Berlin Philharmonic and you put it in the Musikverein in Vienna, which is a hall that is much less conducive to, to very big playing, you know, the, the feeling always is that the, you know, the statues of the ladies in the, on the sides, of, they're going to crack or fall down. From, it, the orchestra <laughs> just sounds bombastic and brutal there. And the Vienna Philharmonic and the Berlin Philharmonic sometimes sounds small or sometimes sounds a little bit... kind of within a small box of sound. So I think also orchestras develop their style of playing in relation to the hall that they work in. If you had to, to verbalize the feeling of one sitting on stage playing an orchestra, what would you say is your, your favorite feeling, your favorite, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, what, what captures you when you're on stage playing in an orchestra? Obviously the power You know, there is a, just this amazing, not just power of volume, uh, and also the music is very often extremely powerful. Um, you know, a solo piano or a string quartet is powerful through the, the power of suggestion, you know. But when you hear a Bruckner symphony or you hear, you know, those things are, are powerful. They're just the volume, the contrast, the... variety of sounds um, so the power but also the power of having a hundred or so people just collaborating on this to this extent there's something extraordinarily powerful and moving about that you know and I think to to be a part of that is um, is awesome in the in the kind of biblical sense of the word you know and um, especially in an, in an orchestra like that And, and I think the, the wonderful thing is that, 
you know, I pl I've, I've played in so many different orchestras, and it's just so wonderful how every orchestra is just such a different organism. You know, um, I remember playing in Philadelphia Orchestra for the first time, you know, and this was after Berlin, and I thought to myself on the first rehearsal, I thought to myself, wow, they make the Berlin Phil sound like a youth orchestra. <laughs> it was just so incredibly good playing. Um and homogenous and together and verticality and just, I mean, things that in Berlin, especially on the stage, very often the orchestra sounds extremely not together. Um, but, you know, over time, my experience was very different because it also never really changed and evolved. And, you know, the solo winds sounded unbelievably good, but they sounded exactly the same in every concert. <laughs> and regardless of whether the conductor tried to take a different tempo, the orchestra was just playing its way, you know. And I, and I thought after a while that maybe that's uh, not such a great thing. So, I don't know, I, you know, I played in, in English orchestras where there's no rehearsals, basically. I mean, I went on tour with the Philharmonia Orchestra once. I think we had every day a different program. I think in a tour of two weeks, we had four different conductors and six different soloists. Wow. And it's really very often just sight reading, but so good. And I think because of that, there is an alertness and a... Uh, kind of spontaneity and uh, chamber music making that you just don't get in other orchestras. I've never never experienced this anywhere. So I don't I don't know and for me for me the best orchestra is Vienna Philharmonic without a doubt just because of their I'm a sound person and I just think that they have uh, they have just something so special in their sound that I think and I think that very often it doesn't come across in in CDs so that's definitely something you have to experience um, you know there's there's just some experiences that where I've heard them play that it's a physical experience that I'll never ever forget like Mahler 10 um, you know after the violas begin and then the whole the, all the strings come in I'm getting goosebumps just remembering how that <laughs> felt there was a just a I don't know almost like a, a, a physical feeling um, that I, I don't think I've ever heard any other orchestra achieve that because they have this buoyancy and flexibility and warmth in the sound that that uh, and again this is very Viennese I think if you take an American player and just plant them in that orchestra they're just not going to be able to swim they're, it's just not going to work and my my first months in Berlin were very difficult actually I mean I had a really difficult time finding my way and um, so I think that's really extraordinary to to be able to hear different orchestras um and and just how every orchestra still even today even in the US you know which is so cosmopolitan how the the Met Orchestra and the LA Phil and the Philly and the Cleveland and the Pittsburgh Orchestra really how how they still manage to maintain their kind of uh way of playing their traditions their energy these things that you can't really put a finger on but moving from this giant machine this orchestra the, the orchestras that you played in you moved to play in a quartet a string quartet totally different organism why did you choose that or how did you choose that string quartet was always what i wanted to do since i was since I played in a string quartet for the first time, that was always my passion. 
I think for a viola player, it's the really the pinnacle of of what we can do because it's um you know there's not a lot of things you can play as a soloist with orchestras or soloist just alone on the stage. You always need a piano or other instruments, and in a string quartet, I think it's the kind of um, most ex- the, the the best balance between individuality and still being able to to play big enough music that that it's really interesting um and i and not to mention that it's one of the third pillars of the repertoire so you know as if as someone who loves music i want to play masterpieces and for solo viola those don't really exist or very few of them do so playing in a string quartet enables me to really just play masterpieces only you know <laughs> did you have to to audition how does one accept a new viola player to yeah. an existing ensemble It happened to me twice actually in my life. <laughs> the first time um, I was in New York and um, I finished I just finished my studies and um, and I gave a recital at Carnegie Hall and there was a review in the Times and um, a cellist who I played chamber music in another group with called me and said, oh we have our violist can't play a, a concert. Um, do you think you could jump in? And so we had a couple of days of rehearsals or three days, I don't remember. And, and I did this, played this concert with them. And uh, on the way back, uh, she asked me if uh, I would consider joining them. And I actually, I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it. And then it, I, I was like, duh. <laughs> um, and I played for five years in this wonderful quartet. It was the Whitman String Quartet. Um, which had just won the Nomberg Award, which is an important prize um, in the United States, uh, just before I joined. So I joined a quartet that was very busy with many concerts. And, um, and then the second time, it was the Jerusalem Quartet, which is what I, the quartet I play with now. Um, and of course, this is, uh, was a little bit simpler because we knew each other a long time. I also joined them for some concerts playing sextets and quintets and um, and I think when their first violist who is now the principal violist of the Berlin Philharmonic coincidentally um, when he decided to leave um, I think that um, it I, I don't want to say for them but I think my name was definitely one of the names that came up first. And uh, the way it worked is that we did uh, we chose two weeks to just sit and learn some repertoire. Um, and so we had pretty intense rehearsals and we had some run-through home concerts. I think if I'm not mistaken, that was in June. Um, and then they asked if I could uh, play a US tour in October and a Europe tour in November. And we mutually decided that we'll decide it towards the end of the year if we're in it or if it works or not. And I think I think both of us, both sides, were, it was pretty clear. I mean, it really, I have to say, it was so easy sliding into the quartet and learning all this repertoire and, you know, learning their way of playing and fitting in and all of that. I was, I didn't feel, it didn't feel like work. It didn't, it just was very, very easy. Um, so if I, I asked you about the orchestra and you said that you loved the aspect of the magnitude of the, of the loud sound, what do you like about the quartet, string quartet? Well, I was being very um, 
I was being very uh, uh, diplomatic because <laughs> there's a lot of things about orchestra that I didn't enjoy. And in fact, particularly in the Berlin Philharmonic, I have to say that looking back, I was pretty miserable there. Okay. Um, we we study all our lives to to perfect our playing and then particularly as string players because wind players play one per part but for me to play one out of 12 was difficult i didn't hear myself most of the time and i didn't feel like my input in the music had enough space in on the stage and you know my it's funny because my mother is the kind of orchestra musician who for almost 40 years just loved going to work, felt privileged to be on stage. And and for me, orchestra was never really the end goal. Um, I learned so incredibly much from playing in orchestras and from the time I spent in orchestras. And it, it definitely propelled my playing forward in a, in a major way. Um, I just don't think I could imagine doing that until retirement. It just... I didn't feel like that was where I shine, you know. So so then, you know, the, the quartet is uh, a lot less loud. <laughs> it's a lot more focused. It's a lot less varied. It's a lot less flashy. Uh, there's something very humble and honest about the string quartet, which I just really, really moves me because... I don't think that when you leave a good string quartet concert, you leave with an experience of the ego of the players. I think I think it's so much more about the music than it is in a, in a symphony concert. I think when you go to a symphony concert, you just have so many people to look at, and there's usually a soloist, and there's a conductor, of course, which is a big ego, yeah. in a wonderful way, yeah. yes? You know, when the principal flute player who has a solo, etc., 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 and I think in a string quartet, the the real focus is on the music, which I th I just always find much so much more interesting than the musicians. Uh, it's me. It's not not it's not a judgment. It's just my preference. And um, yeah, so that's what I really love about playing string quartet. First of all, that we really, as as long as we want to, we can only play great masterpieces we we just uh we could we could live three times and not cover everything you know there's just so much every major important composer wrote string quartets and for many of them it's their best compositions um so there's just it's challenging it's uh it requires me to be on my best uh to be my best all the time in a way that i i love um i also love the the space between the quartet and the audience and how it's different than the space between an orchestra and the audience i find it much more personal um much more intimate much more conversational and that's uh, that's something that that really makes the difficult life of being in a string quartet because there's a lot of difficulties, you know, the traveling and the um, it makes it really all really worth it for me to the point where I just it doesn't even feel like difficulties to me when I just think that well tonight I'm going to go on stage and play this or play that, you know.
in an orchestra, one could sit and just, you know, you don't have to talk to anyone. You show up, in quotes, to work. You provide your beat of music and then you go home. You didn't have to talk to anyone in a quartet. Same time, you really have to show up. You cannot just, you know, report some notes and then go home. You ha Basically, it's a marriage with three other people. How does it work? I mean, how do you develop a relationship that you don't argue, fight all the time? Or does one need to go to a couple's therapist, uh, you know, a relationship therapist in order to work on this relationship? How do you do that? You know, let's say if you are playing in a viola section of an orchestra and you're having a bad day and you're just phoning it in one day, actually very likely no one is really going to know. Maybe you're a stand partner in a string quartet it's going to be more visible. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, you know? Um, but I think the big difference is that, you know, an orchestra is a job. I mean, most of the things that happen around you are not decided by you, you know? Not the schedule, not the concert schedule, not the programs, not the rehearsal schedule, not what is worked on in the rehearsals. Not the Boeings, unless you're a section leader, even then very often and other section leaders or the conductors will dictate that. Not your salary, not your fee, not your anything. When you go on tour, you don't decide the, the flights. I mean, in your orchestra, you have a little more autonomy on that subject. But, you know, whereas we are in charge of everything, I mean, we have, I think, at the, at the moment, 12 people who work for us. And they have to be managed. Um, so in this respect, I think the big difference between playing in an orchestra and playing in a, in a um, string quartet is that when you're in an orchestra, remember, you're an employee. And when you're a string quartet, you are in a managing partnership. Um, there's four of us and we manage a team. And every, every little decision is made by us in the end. Even if we allow someone to make that decision for us and just get approval on it, it's still our decision in the end. So here's the, the Jewish question. In an orchestra, you get a salary. In a quartet, you are dependent on those 12 people and hoping that concerts will keep coming. Absolutely. Scary? I'm very lucky to have joined two string quartets that are already in the stage where things are working, you know. And I very often say that I'm not sure I would have survived the first 15 years of the Jerusalem Quartet. <laughs> um, not financially, not logistically, not in terms of um, the amount of work, not in terms of the, the kind of difficulties. Uh, and um, so I, I'm very lucky to, to have been offered a place in a quartet that's at that stage, you know. It's a, it's a great privilege. Uh, so I'm I, I'm saying this in this context of I also entered a dynamic that's already has, for better and for worse, already has ways of of working together, um, and I think we are quite a highly functional string quartet. I mean, we we actually talk to each other. We talk to each other. We we have very good relations with each other. I think on the whole, there's very rarely big fights you know i mean if there's fights it's usually about something musical but it doesn't uh if there's a disagreement it's usually about something about musical things and even then you know we go on stage and it's not a fight on stage so i th i think that it's a 
you know, my, my three colleagues are Im- immigrated from uh, the former Soviet Union uh, in the early 90s, when they were in their early teens. And, um, and I have to say that uh, the kind of, uh, again, you know, this is a, a little bit politically incorrect to to generalize in this way but but I think there definitely is there are definitely some values and ways of uh, thinking about music that are Russian Russian in the Soviet sense you know um, it comes from the educational system there it comes from um, I think culturally and historically and I think in Israel when we were kids it was more more geared towards soloists. Yeah, more Russian-like. Yes, and I, I and I think that now it's uh, it's changing. I think it's, uh, but in this in uh, you know the Russian soloists and my three colleagues, I think treat string quartet a little bit more like soloists. And there is a work ethic um, that is just so inspiring to me. Um, something that I really learned from my colleagues, and I'm I, I'm constantly impressed and inspired by. It's just this. This Berlin Philharmonic type thing that you, no matter what happens, you go on stage and you give 110%. And I think, I think that's what, that's the secret of of the Jerusalem Quartet. Um, and and I think that it's not that other quartets don't play at 105%, but I think the there is a real feeling like when we play that it's really nothing is left in the dressing room um, emotionally, particularly emotionally. And I think that's something that audiences really react to. Um, and, and you guys nowadays are, are in the top of the quartet music scene in the world. Is there animosity between you and other quartets? Or are you kind of friends with other people? Or how does it work? Are you like athletes? You know, you can give some positive feedback and behind, uh, behind the back talk trash? Or? You know, it's very strange because we very rarely meet other string quartets. We're all in the same places, but never at the same time. Um, if we go to a festival, which is a natural kind of place to meet other musicians, there's very rarely more than one quartet in a festival. It's a pity because it's very... I don't know if you've ever had the experience of um, meeting with... An, like going on a double date with another couple <laughs> okay. and talking candidly about like a fight you had with your, with your wife or your husband and... realizing that the other couple had the exact same fight two days earlier and it puts things in a different cons- kind of um, perspective. I think that it's the same for string quartets. <laughs> um, I think I've we've all, each of us has developed relationships with other string quartets. I think it happens, for example, when Sasha, our first violinist, uh, invites other quartets to play in his festival. So he meets other quartets. Very often he plays with them as well. Or I've joined other quartets to play sextets or quintets. Uh, I find that to be very informative. But I think, on the whole, it's a very uh, cordial and collegial kind of world, the string quartet world. And I don't feel like it's very competitive. There aren't a lot of moments where we feel we are in competition with other string quartets. I think string quartets mostly compete against... The difficult circumstances of being a string quartet and I you know you said we are kind of at the top of, of the kind of string quartet world I think that uh, more and more I'm convinced that it's it's about um, 
survivability, actually. Okay. So, you know, what typically happens is that you look at string quartets in the first five years of their existence. And if you look around, you'll see that there's actually a lot of fantastic quartets in that kind of um, layer of string quartets. Really very good string quartets. Um, winners of competitions and, you know, and they're cheap. So if you want to hire one of those quartets, they're cheap. Uh, shockingly cheap, actually. Infuriatingly cheap relative to the amount of work that they do. Um, when you jump past five years, I would say at least half of those string quartets cease to exist. Because financially it's difficult, because life pulls you in different ways, because some of them, if they're good, might get offered an orchestra job and then say, okay. Um, it's very difficult to bet your future on three people who are not your family or your partners, or they have partners, life pulls them in different ways. Uh, it's a big kind of commitment to make to, to three other people. Uh, and I think every step that you go in the age of a string quartet, another half of that group disappears. And so, it, you know, the Jerusalem Quartet has existed for 25 years this year, I think. So there's just not so many quartets in our kind of age group. I'm wondering, since you guys have been playing for such a long time, and you're, let's say, professionals. I don't know if it's a good word or not. But, and then you prepare a piece, but you're not sure if it's good or bad. Do you seek advice? Do you go to someone to play for him, her? Or is just like, let's play a concert and see what happens? I mean, do you have any mentors or people to, to reach out to? In my personal preference, we don't do that enough. Um, I think it would be wonderful for us. But, you know, life is, is complicated. We're on the road on average half of every month. So... When we come home, it's there, there has to be a good reason why we would spend another three days going somewhere, right? Um, but where we do get a lot of feedback and a lot of... Uh, is with the musicians that we collaborate with. And, uh, you know, somebody like... We've played our other repertoire for somebody like Andras Schiff, who was... Uh, was played. I remember we had an amazing session, Bartok Third Quartet with him. It was just really wonderful in the simplicity of what he didn't say, you know, he just, uh, and, um, yeah, so we do, we played Beethoven for him. So uh, we do play th for people, but it's not anymore, uh, a real kind of major part of our, of our work. We're also very planned with the repertoire that we play. So we don't learn a great deal of repertoire. Um, we just did our first Beethoven cycle and, It took us probably, since I'm in the quartet, it's 10 years now. It took us 10 years to prepare this cycle. And I would say probably even 25 years, because the first quartet they played was 25 years ago. And we slowly learned the 15 quartets. We did the same with Shostakovich's cycle. I mean, you know, we really plan to play two or three quartets every season so that we can build it. We don't learn things very quickly. Um, and of course, after 25 years, 
most of the repertoire we pick are things we've already played. So it's going back to it. And that's, by the way, that's another thing that I love about a string quartet. It's just that it's, um, it's kind of a life along these pieces. You know, it's like a train, those pieces that left the station when they were written. And I don't know where the end station is, but we get on at a certain point and leave at a certain point. I remember my teacher Pinkas Zuckerman used to always tell us that in life there's no concerts, only rehearsals. <laughs> which I thought at the time was an awful thing to say, but now I, I I understand it more and more. And I think the wonderful thing is when to go on stage and play a Beethoven quartet, knowing it's hopefully well the first of many performances, and that there is a certain process that happens in performing these pieces, which is wonderful. And and so that's another thing I love about playing in a string quartet because I think it's it's very different. You know you know. Playing a Brahms symphony in a great orchestra, I have to say that it's on such an incredibly high level, not only of playing, but also of interpretation. There isn't actually that much room for improvement. I mean, you're not you're looking at a pretty low glass ceiling above your head. And of course, another conductor might come and do something different with it. But actually, I'm sure you'll agree with me that even conductors that are very different from each other, in the end, to a 95% of the musical choices they make with these great pieces are similar. Sure, and also the flexibility of the musicians to accept, accept the new interpretation is very difficult. Whereas in the quartet, maybe you have much more flexibility. <sighs> I hope. I, I, would, I don't know, actually. You know, when you play a piece for 20 years, it's very difficult to, to look at it in a fresh new way. But, um, you know, in a way, that's something wonderful that happens to a quartet when a member changes. You bring they, a new blood, a new perspective. Yeah. And I have to say, my colleagues were very receptive to my input. So I was never made to feel like, I just have to blend in and, you know, and just learn their way of playing. You were talking before about Mahler 10. Is there a concert with a quartet that you remember vividly that, that, you know, made you happy or sad or, I don't know, a wonderful memory? Oh, so many. Really, so many. I remember the first time I played Schubert cello quintet with my, with my quartet. It's a piece that they played several times or many times before I joined, but it was the first time I played it with them. And uh, that was kind of a, I don't want to say religious, but it was a very spiritual experience for me. I'm curious to see, since you have so much experience, what would you say is the most important uh, personal trait or, you know, that one has to have in order to play an orchestra and one of such for the quartet? Wow, such a great question. Particularly, you know, since I'm, I also teach, I find that so many young musicians that are very good don't even begin to ask themselves, A, what are they good at? What, where would they fit? And B, what do they want to do? Um, so I think that's a great question. And I'm going to use that question with my students to have that conversation. Because... It's an important kind of uh, viewpoint to add to that discussion of what do I want to do with my life? Is what, where do I fit? Or, or where, 
what kind of musical application do the pers my personal strengths where would they shine exactly you know I think that's a fantastic question um, you know I think the reason I I wasn't suited for orchestra is that I'm probably to a fault very individualistic I'm not really comfortable in big groups of people I'm not socially I'm not uh, you know if it's a dinner party of four people that's where I shine if it's ten people I uh, it's a dissonance for me so if your goal is to play an orchestra I think first and foremost you have to be someone who is a social person and someone who feels comfortable and at ease and in a high level of self-expression in large groups of people, which I really am not. And I think if you, if you want to be in a string quartet, I think you have to be someone who is driven by constantly being challenged and constantly dealing with looking at and trying to transcend our limitations. And this is not just on an instrumental, musical, intellectual level, but physical level. For example, when you're a string quartet and your flight gets cancelled, you get in a car and you drive for 12 hours to make your next concert. And the Jerusalem Quartet, until COVID started, after COVID, it's hard to say, has never missed a concert in their lives. Wow. And I think that's an extraordinary testament to the the drive and the commitment that, that this quartet, me in the last 10 years, but I think I, this is something that I learned from them. That's why I'm putting it in that way. But the kind of commitment and work ethic that these people have, you know. Thank you, Orikam, for these insightful thoughts. I myself am dealing with these questions as I am playing in an orchestra and a string quartet. I am sure you have some comments, questions or feedback and I would love to hear from you. I am available on Facebook, Strings Attached Podcast, or Instagram, or my email, asafpodcast at gmail.com. I am Asaf Maoz and thank you for listening to Strings Attached.